Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. in Sevilla and we are like just in one of the most beautiful rooms I yeah I can say that one of the most beautiful rooms in the museum that I I ever been like this huge detailed ceiling and all like the big paintings like on the walls and everything the paintings are like what 10 meters <laughs> I'm not good in meters yes yeah yeah, yeah. I supposed to be 40 feet in Europe <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think at least yeah, like 10 meters. Yeah, like very, very detailed, very, I don't know. You can tell a bit of uh, luxury when you think about it, mm. don't you? What do you mean, luxury? Yeah, luxury. I don't like, I mean, it's not like something you'd have mm. when you're leaving Rome. Yeah. You know, think about like a fancy palace or... Uh, of course, a fancy church because everything's is religious. Sure. Yeah, it uh, seems institutional to me. You can't, you can't, can't be personal. No. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're the king. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have it. So, Lucas, where are you from? I'm from Brazil, mm-hmm. in the south of Brazil. Uh, actually, this is where I live. I was born in the north of Brazil, in a very, not very small city, but yeah, medium city, where people have small minds, <laughs> small minds, sorry, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Is is that why you travel? Oh, sorry? Is that why you travel? Because you're running away from that mentality? Can be. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. Um, yes, when I, when I remember from my childhood and everything, I could never tell. There was a, a, world, a world that there was like more stuff like from the place where we are from and the things they talk there and things that happens there. Like you can never really see there is like somewhere beyond that. You always think that you're gonna grow up there, live like always there, doing the same things as always. And, and it's funny, it's interesting that you ask that. Do you remember your first trip or your first decision to take a trip? Yeah. Do you mean international trip or even in local stuff? Sure, either. When yeah. when did you first, you know, travel in quotation marks? <laughs> yeah. So that's quite a complication, complicated question because my father and my mother they they separated when I was four years old. 
and um, no, it's not a problem to me to talk about this. Sure, sure. But so, and my father, he just stayed in the same city, and he's still there. Mm. I, I can't remember the last time he went on vacations. Really? Like it's just there. It's fine there. Never travel. Never travels. Not even to like, not even like to the next town. Really? He's just sat there, and he likes it. <laughs> wow. My mother, on the other hand. She was uh, always changing, 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 always moving, moving, moving. And because of that, I end up living maybe in 10 or 12 different cities in Brazil. Mm. Like, in the, in the, during my life, okay, since I was a child to when I started high school. Mm. And I was always like, one year with my mother, one year with my father, one year with my mother, one year with my father. Yeah. And like, and always I had to like change school, change friends, and rebuild my life like very fast and all stuff. And it had like pros and cons. And so, yeah. how did you rebuild? That's a very interesting way of putting it, you know, because that's what we're going through now, moving to Sevilla. Yeah. But it's different when you're a kid, and it's not your choice, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's why. Like some friends, some friends of me, even in Brazil, that's not normal. They always ask me like, but how? Wasn't that bad? And to me, it was just normal. I, as a kid, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I just uh, was just growing up, thinking that that thing was normal. It was mm. like the normal thing. I was had to do that anyway, so I just had to get used it. Yeah. So okay, right now, and I'm like a bit of an addict. <laughs> I already <laughs> think of it. Yeah, sometimes I recall the past and I think yeah. like, wow, that was quite like different, quite impressive sometimes. But when I was a kid, never realized that. It was just like, oh, another city, another people, blah, blah, blah. just normal. Yeah. That's fun. You seem very comfortable with yourself. I remember the first time we met you, you just, uh, you kind of beam. Do you know that? You, you just, your smile is constant and very easygoing. You know? yeah. Is that a skill that you picked up from that experience or... Oh, I think so. Uh, like life always required me to be flexible, to change, to adapt, to meet new stuff, to like new people. But yes, I always remain in myself. So remember when I told you like I'm very easygoing, I talk to everybody, I'm very social. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's also very difficult to become friends, to create strings. Yeah. Maybe because I didn't train that much because I was always moving, so I was never really... Uh, have time to yeah. create and to develop strings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Uh, before we go much further, can you describe your appearance for the listeners? <laughs> it's the question I ask everyone. What, what do you look like so they can picture you? Okay, so... Okay. With, with no strings. Okay, with no strings. <laughs> okay, no strings attached. Well, I'm a Brazilian guy. I'm 24 year old. I don't know, sometimes I put my pictures on the internet on things that guess your age and they always do something like 24, 23, so I think I really look like a 24, 23. And <laughs> I like I have one meter and 90 centimeters. You can convert to feet if you want because I have no idea how feet are. Uh, well, you're pretty tall, you're, I, I'd guess maybe six feet, something like that. Yeah, I think. especially in Brazil. I've always been the tallest or one of the tallest around which is good because mm -hmm. the girls in Brazil they used to they, they really like high heels mm. but they hate when they use high heels yeah. and they are taller than the guy <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't know I'm very comfortable with myself I don't think I'm like very beautiful I also don't think I'm very ugly I'm, besides what I am 
the only other thing I would like to have was like a, I don't know, nice abs would be something I would like to have. <laughs> would like to have. Yeah. But besides that, I'm very comfortable with myself. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, just a moment ago, you were talking about living in Holland. So you moved from Brazil to Holland. Yes. What was that like? Uh, well, it's, it's okay. Besides all the obvious things like traveling, opening your mind, seeing first time, seeing for the first time like a place abroad. Because even though I was like always moving in Brazil, it was still Brazil, still like the same origin, still like the same culture, different but the same. Yeah. And Netherlands was like a, a total culture shock, shock. Yeah. Total, total, total. And Painful, like, like no. uncomfortable. Or? No, very, very nice, <laughs> very comfortable. Yeah. Because like in the Netherlands, um, people are quite, in my opinion, uh, of course it's general. People are very um, open-minded. Mm -hmm. um, everybody, uh, people talk, people say what they think, and they speak them, their mind, and everybody accepts. It's not a matter of being right or being wrong. No, it's just like okay, you have your opinion, we respect your opinion, mm. in general. And that's something more tricky in Brazil. Uh, really? Uh, what do you mean? Oh, I think like people respect less uh, yeah. opinions in Brazil. Like, not that we're not open-minded, but if you say something in the Netherlands, uh, especially like more complicated issues, like uh, I don't know, like uh, being being gay or I don't know, being from abroad, like that kind of more complicated issues. I think in the Netherlands they are more open-minded to that, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I think if I say in Brazil, like uh, I have no problems like with somebody being gay. Uh, okay, people will be okay. Brazil is still open and uh, democratic and free. Don't know, nah. What's different? It's like the people respect you, but they, mm, you know. Yeah, and Netherlands no. And then I learned to live in this society where like people talk more in front of you mm -hmm. than in the bag of you, which is more in Brazil. Sometimes, like, that's my opinion. People, they, 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 they sound they're okay to you, then when you go, they, yeah, nah, 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 you know, yeah. I like that. And that was. When people speak in front of you in Netherlands, what do you mean? Like, they say directly yeah. their, their feelings? You mean they don't hide their true feelings? No. Or, so yeah. will they say negative things to yes. you directly? Yeah, yeah, of really? course, not in a rude way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you don't like being direct... Yeah. Uh, For example, what's something like, someone said to you that shocked you? <laughs> no, not shocked me because uh, of the thing, but because I was not used to that. Uh, I can't recall any real thing, but I know things like when you throw something, when you throw garbage, like, uh, just in the street, hmm. Somebody just come and say like, "Hey, you can't do that. You have to do that. You have to, to pick up and put in the garbage." Yeah. Like, things like that might yeah. sound rude, or even like other things like, "Hey, I believe in. Mm, I like the kind of. Uh, well, that's really hard to recall with examples all the time. But well, when you say something in general, people are not afraid to give their opinions. Yeah. They're yeah, not afraid yeah. of conflict. Yeah. So if they don't, if they um, if they don't think like you. They will discuss with you. They will not just like um, either uh, say that you're right, but no, that's not their uh, their, uh, their true feeling. Mm -hmm. Their true feeling. 
or not even they will like try to convince you their way. They'll just expose their way. And that works in the whole society and that's what I really like. So one example. Yeah. So that was a culture shock. Also all the organization. Um, all the well, people say people in the Netherlands, like people in general, like in the world, they say that in the Netherlands they are like very selfish a bit. Like because they actually I think that they mean independent. And independent they are. But selfish no. I think for people in Brazil are way more way selfisher or more mm. selfish. More know? selfish. More selfish than in the Netherlands. Mm. Because people in the Netherlands they can be very independent, like they have their circle, they have their ways, it's not really easy to get in, blah, blah, blah. but as a society, they are way, way less selfish than us, like they're always thinking in the society, they don't do things, thinking and maximize mm. their own existence in the society, but they do things, you know, that uh, they that might not be the best for, for them, themselves mm. in that moment, but it's best for society, and mm. as everybody's always doing like this, when you think, when you look at this from a global perspective, mm. like the society is always going well. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's my opinion. Of course, it's a, it's a country, like there are things that are better, things that are like worse, not saying it's a paradise. No, sure. no not saying that. But to me, it was more aligned to what I thought. And coming from Brazil, I would never think that was possible. I would never think it would be a place that, I mean, you could just go home from a party with your bike at 3 a.m. crossing a park and nothing will happen to you or that like oh was also something was very uh, funny the first days because when I you when I went to cross uh, to to cross the street mm. in a pedestrian mm. like in Brazil I always <laughs> look around and because 70% of the cars they just don't stop they just pretend you're not there they just keep going so yeah and in the Netherlands it was like funny because it was like the situation. I would put my feet, the guy would stop, but I wouldn't really go. And the guy would like thinking like, look at me like, what this stupid guy is really. And I was, uh, people can see it now, but you know what I'm doing. Yes, can yes, I, yes, I can yes, describe yes. this? I can't say No, English. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can go. Yeah, I can go. Go. Oh, wow. It didn't crush me. That was so funny, I think. And um, yeah, and also like the most important thing that the Netherlands has changed in me was about quality of life. Because I don't know um, if this is because I was born in a small town um, with my parents, like really simple person. Like my, my parents didn't go to university, and they uh, so I was always raised in like yeah, you have to study, you have to go to university to become uh, become become one in life. That's the expression you use in Portuguese, to become one in life. So it means if you don't study, if you don't have a job, if you don't have money, you're not one in life. You know? You're not someone in life. What, so what is it in Portuguese, the phrase? It's to become someone in life. And what is it in, in Portuguese? Ser, ser, alguém na vida. Almost the same as Spanish, actually. Yeah, yeah. Ser, alguém na vida. Na, la vida. Yeah. It's okay in Spanish, so I'll say it. Say that again in la vida. Wait, okay, say one more time in Portuguese. In Portuguese? Yeah. Say that again in la vida. Someone uh, in life. And it's funny. It's something your 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 dad, your mother, they always say to you, yeah, if you want to become someone in life, you have to work hard. You have to get a job. You have to be rich. And 
maybe because we're like a, a kind of a rich poor country mm. and it's important to be rich because if you everything that you depend on the government you you, you just won't succeed like it wouldn't be enough so it's funny because we pay like a huge huge amount of taxes like I think like uh, if you take everything like things you buy the, the ones that incurs on your salary and stuff on your income and stuff it's like 40% almost 50% it's like it's, like, it's, it's taxes for a rich country but then when you need education you have to pay when you need like health system you have to pay a lot everything you need to pay because the things that are like uh, run from the government they're just like really really big things so it's important and I don't know if uh, that's that's why sorry and I don't know if it's because uh, I was born in a small town in my, my parents and my mother my, my, my father and my mother they're like more simple guys and didn't go to university and they wanted me to have like a better life and they always related like better life with more money so I was raised yeah, you have to study, you have to get in a good university, then you have to really, really work hard, be the best one in your school, be the best one in your uni, and that's how you're gonna be someone in life. And that was, and that was like my whole mindset, like pretty much until 2012, and two years before Netherlands, and then started changing. But in Netherlands, what, what started changing? Like my mindset, because uh, how? Well, I always been like a like I was. Well, one can say that my dad's plan was really working, so I was really hard working, getting good results, like and everything. But I wasn't really happy, so there was a time I started like questioning: Is it right? Am I happy or not? It's funny because it sounds like a forty-year-old guy talking, but it's just like a teenager, you know. And it was true. Um, I started working voluntary work to uh, for Isaac. I don't know if you know it. No, it's like a, a youth-run organization. How do you spell that? Uh, Isaac. It's like A I E S E C. Mm -hmm. It's international stuff, and no, they do a lot of stuff. But uh, they're like quite serious uh, youth-run organization. You have like a chance to work in a. <coughs> Sorry, in an office, and we promote like uh, international exchange, like with voluntary work, and like all the people that run it, they are like just young people, and then you just start like doing like, uh, how you say, operational stuff. Then you can become a mid manager, then you can become like a local manager, and you can even go to the global ISAC to be the president. Mm -hmm. And I joined ISAC, joined the the part that was receiving mm -hmm. people. So then, like uh, our area was like responsible to to create the projects, to sell the projects, to fundraise the money, to take care of all the logistics with like the the future like international people and that. And it was really good because it was like the first time I really met like international people. Yeah. I really had to speak a uh, speak English <laughs> and blah blah blah. <laughs> and I thought I could speak in English that time, but I couldn't. <laughs> and so meeting new people, blah blah. blah. By the end of the, after one year in Isaac, I managed, uh, I was elected to become the, like the director of this area. And it was quite good. We, we had like a huge growth and we were like, I, I became like a, a national coach. Mm -hmm. So I had to travel. I had to, how do you call that? To stop the university, I don't know how, how the term, but I had to stop the university for one semester yeah. because I had to travel when to help like the other offices that were like not doing bad, that are not doing good, or yeah. 
like had to give like a like teach people training and all stuff in Brazil because it's it like a benchmark. That yeah. the process it's really good. Then I started like knowing that like international people actually exist. They're not just people you see on television talking uh, blah, 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 that you don't <laughs> understand. And it's kind of mindset, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so then what then was when I was started changing about like becoming more international mind. But I was still like very hard working. But in a bad way, more like a workaholic. So I studied full time. Uh, engineering is full time, so like eight to five, Monday to Friday, like having classes. Then I would do everything uh, for Isaac during the night, or doing my lunch breaks and stuff. And then I became like when I became the manager, it was like things were growing, so I needed more people. And it was a time that I I was like the leader for mm -hmm. like 15 uh, young people for for 15 year olds. Such a responsibility, like. Uh, dealing like with money, with not hours, or very stressful, and I become not sleeping, you know, so it was good, but it was bad, it was good, it was not. And then I realized that, yeah, I maybe don't want to be the CEO my father wants me to be someday, mm. you know, maybe I just want to have like a simple life, not that I want to be poor, and all that, but no, mm. simple. And then, but then it was really bad, because I was in Brazil, and you can't just tell it to people in Brazil, like, they think, oh, you're lazy. <laughs> I don't want to hard, be hard work. Oh, you're lazy. <laughs> like, of course, I'm being generous. So if you're Brazilian and you don't agree with this, you have all the rights not to agree with this. That's my vision. And it's really bad. Really, really bad. Like, you want to be something, but you think you're not, like, socially uh, permitted to be like this, especially in the circles I was, like, into. So a lot of students, like, high performance, you know, and, uh, you can't do that. Mm. Then I went to the Netherlands. And it's funny, because in the Netherlands, totally different it's about the quality of life so okay it's not about like having money mm. it's about being happy uh also i understand that like all the situations that lead to that of the environment because like okay in the netherlands if you are like a ceo or if you are just like a cleaner you still have money to afford like a good house and uh, like a decent life in Brazil, you know if you're mm. poor like you just like you can't even you can't even pay your rent so i understand like why things are different mm. but when I went in the Netherlands I discovered that it was I figured out there was a place that like all my dreams were just reality just normal things and it was so funny I was talking to uh, Dutch people and they would ask me huh why did you choose like to become an engineer and they said yeah because of this because of my father because it's a good promising career blah, blah. and I end up like in my course so but that was the thing when I entered when I, when I, when I chose it's because of money in the end, like that, because I think I was the most likely to be rich with my skills. And like the first person, but you never thought about being happy, like your fathers never thought about being happy. And then I thought like, oh, it's a bit like philosophical, maybe it's just one person. No, every single Dutch friend that I have asked me the same question. Oh, you never think, you never, did you never think about what would you make you happy? Or your fathers never asked you that? And I thought, no. Then I, wow. Like, wow. You know, can you understand? I don't know if it was Absolutely. clear enough. Absolutely. It was like a shock, a shock, like. And one more time, I understand that it's different in the Netherlands. You can really choose, like, be something that in Brazil, you don't, uh, you couldn't like live with. Right, but it was really like a good shock, like wow. And then a lot of things that happens there, like, for example, I remember I was reading the. The news, like some news, are, they really shock me because in Brazil, there are a lot, there are there is a lot of corruption, 
and I remember reading in the newspaper in the Netherlands like a, uh, what's the name, mayor, mayor of some city uh, is accused to steal uh, 500 euros from blah 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 and it was like a headlines, mm. really serious stuff <laughs> Brazil, come on, like 500, <laughs> you steal 500 stuff from the government, ah nobody <laughs> it's just like things that happens every day and those things are just like you know there's a country where people that where you allow it to be happy mm. where society gives you positive reinforcement when you want to, when you say you want to be happy you know that like um, stealing 500 bucks from government is like huge thing where society where you want where if you want to be different you want to be richer better and like uh, greater than everyone you're gonna receive negative reinforcement and that was like quite a good shock for me you know like oh found my place in the world what do you think will happen to you when you go back to Brazil ha have you been back to visit yeah, yeah. since you've lived in Holland okay. yeah six months so a lot of people asking me that or like had thoughts on that well, hopefully, I'm still good to adapt myself. I wouldn't say I'm happy, like 100% happy, I want to live there. But I can adapt myself. And also, uh, how can I say, I know that there is still a possibility that I have to live in Brazil, because we don't know the future. And I always like trying to uh, do the things in such a way that I won't be totally unhappy if I be in Brazil. You know, I can have, I don't want to be in Brazil, I don't want to live there. Not. But if I end up there, I still have to make things like as best as possible, and I still can make it. Like I still can adapt. Mm -hmm. True. But like a lot of things, they just like uh, just annoy me there now. Even more in the past, all the corruption. Right, right now we are living. We are living like your worst corruption history of uh, from all the history. And it's a huge thing because in Brazil corruption is quite common stuff, like big corruption schemes. Um, when I see people like just throwing garbage in the street, just doing things that, like just doing selfish things to the society, like just thinking about them and how they can maximize their own living and stuff. My university as well, so boring, so, so bad now. Because I went in the Netherlands, and of course, like everything in a society reflects the other stuff. So you can really expect that, that the university in the Netherlands is like very open, teachers invite you to speak, um, actually, sometimes they're just like, how I call like a fascists, facilitators. They're not really teachers. They're just like to lead the conversation. Yeah. They facilitators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facilitators. They're not like. Wait, um, I have to interrupt yeah. and say, you know, uh, American style of education tries to be that way because of a Brazilian teacher, whom I told you about. But want to be what? To be facilitators. Oh yeah. That that That's style funny. of education came from Brazil. <laughs> and we don't use it in Brazil. I know, because he was exiled. <laughs> yeah? Paulo wow. Freire. I, I, he, when he developed that in Recife, the government of Brazil kicked him out. Wow. And yeah. then the rest of the world celebrated his style. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's anyway, things that happens in Brazil. <laughs> that take place. Yeah, and that's it. And like, funny, like in Brazil, the teachers, like most of the teachers, of course, they want to make them the most valuable asset, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, there is no cl class without me, I'm the, the, 
almighty teacher who has doctors and, all and, all and everything you say is true, you can discuss with me. So you can see that the main point of the class is not the development of the of the people, but the teacher showing himself off. <laughs> and now it's so even more annoying than it was to be. So that kind of stuff is really hard. Hopefully I just have more six months of university. <laughs> <laughs> already told an amazing story of your transformation in, in <laughs> Holland, but uh, you know the podcast is built around great travel stories, so do you have any just wonderful little travel story you can tell uh, in Holland or, or anywhere, just, just a little anecdote? Yeah, yeah. Well, or maybe the one you told me in Spanish before. Okay, the about police. like traveling. Oh, with the police. Oh, Either one, funny. whatever, whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, no, I don't try to do it really fast. Uh, I was traveling in France with friends, in France, that I, uh, in, with French friends that I met in Brazil. And it was so funny because we were like having a whole trip. And I met a guy who was the pilot for the trains. And he's talking about the trains. And I was too engineer, like the, the guy who likes technology or planes and stuff. Yeah, you can go with me in the cabin. In the, in the cabin. So, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we had this agreement. I would go like from A to B in the train and my friends with the car. Mm -hmm. And we said like, uh, and we, and then like we, we had this agreement. Oh, sorry. I forgot the word in English now. I have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we scheduled. Yeah. Scheduled. Yeah. yeah. We scheduled. Like, yeah. Where, yeah. And then we scheduled to meet like in the train station at like uh, seven. But then the guy who was like the pilot for the train just told me like, yeah, we will be there at least like two hours in advance because you know the train is really fast, there was no traffic, so <laughs> you have to wait two hours for them in the car. I said, okay. We arrived there, it was like maybe seven o'clock. I had agreement with my friends to, to be there at seven o'clock. But then I thought, okay, I should believe the, 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 pilot, the pilot of the train. I said, okay, I have two hours to wait for them. I'll just walk in the city. Yeah, and I just walked around in like really nice city in France, like it's Gugum, and very old city, a lot of interesting things. So I was there taking pictures. I just have an iPad in my hands and my phone. And I was like taking pictures and blah, 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 doing stuff. Went to Carrefour to buy a lot of like French things that I was noticing. And when, I, when I, I'm coming back, to the train station, wow, I already feel things are not like right. A lot of people walk in the street, two police cars there. I said like, wow, what, what's happening here? Like, this is small city, friends. <laughs> coming, coming back, and then I I'll just hear my name, Lucas. Wow, I look back and like my friends in one of the police cars, like totally like desperate, like, where were you? <laughs> what, uh, why didn't you? wait for us here <laughs> and all the policemen the people around were, were asking like but where's the ipad where's the ipad and i was like huh? what? What? what's going on here and then they, yeah we just arrived here he was not here i said yeah but the guy said it would be two hours more no 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 we just arrived like 15 minutes after you no and the other people around but where's the ipad where's the ipad and i was like well, why are those people asking about the iPad? Oh, because we described you as a tall, as, as a tall, 
uh, say like a black curly hair, black hair. Cur cur curly black hair guy <laughs> with an iPad in my hands <laughs> but the iPad by that time the iPad was already like inside of the bag I had from Carver so everybody was looking for a guy with the iPad in my hands well, sorry there was no guy and all the police like so funny they <laughs> the police because I think my friends they just told like yeah he's a Brazilian guy he doesn't speak French he probably should like be like uh, in danger in distress and then the police people just see me coming like walking normally in the street like and they just went away I don't understand French so I don't know what they really talk but their faces are not being happy like did you call the police for that <laughs> and my friends like well we were all dis disparated we, we were just like uh, already wondering how we would like tell your parents what happened because like we don't even know your parents number we don't speak like uh, your parents don't speak English they don't speak ah they're so what that was funny <laughs> so, police was after me in France <laughs> yeah thank you so much Lucas <laughs> thank you uh, thank you for speaking in English ah no it's okay it, it really means a lot I appreciate it alright I'm happy you like that. We can switch back to Spanish after we turn it off. Yes. <laughs> Next time we met. Yeah. Spanish. Next time we meet in Spanish. And uh, we will meet again. Yeah. Sure. I'll be in Amsterdam. <laughs> Thank you so much. With a little more deliberation in the choice of their pursuits all men would perhaps become essentially students and observers, for certainly their nature and destiny are interesting to all alike. That's Thoreau. So, if we were a real podcast, at this point we'd have an ad, but we're actually not big fans of advertising. <laughs> no offense to our friends in advertising. So this is kind of an anti-ad. Allison, what's your favorite nonprofit? Kiva. Kiva? How do you spell that? K-I-V-A. What is Kiva? Kiva uh, uses microfinance to lend to small business owners Where? in countries all over the world. What kind of small business owners? Um, well, it would range from artisans in Guatemala to somebody starting a convenience store in Cambodia. And how much do you lend, usually, through Kiva? Um, you can start out lending $25, but you can lend as much as you want. Uh, but the idea is enough people get together and lend $25 that it usually covers the entire loan that the person needs, which may be $1,000 or $2,000 to improve their business or start their business. And they pay it back? Yep. They usually pay it back within one year. Sounds great. How did you learn about Kiva? I learned about it through reading uh, Nick Kristoff's book, a path appears. I would second a recommendation on that. Everyone should read it, right? Yep. Thanks, Allison. Mm -hmm.